1: storytellers in college basketball. He's been undefeated for quite some time now. Plus, we thought we were welcoming King back. We'll explain why we aren't. But first, Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, boards, and blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Monica is a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a three-in transition and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. King is a former 3-and-D Baylor baller whose idea of a good time is locking down the other team's best scorer. Monica, King, let's do this. Welcome to Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. I'm Monica McNutt, and I am not alongside my co-host, King McClure. Instead, our extraordinary producer, Bruce Bernstein, is here. Hey, Bruce.
0: Hey, Monica. Good to be with you, but sorry for the circumstances.
1: Yeah, so of course you know I love having you, Bruce. In fact, you are the original co-host. Aha! We love you, King. But (laughs) the important message to get out today is King is not here because he has tested positive for COVID and he has symptoms, excuse me. So he's home, resting, dosing up on medicine, doing his best to fight off COVID. and, And because he is young and healthy, we are optimistic that he will make a full recovery. But he is yet another reminder, very close to me, very close to you, Bruce, that this thing is real, and we cannot afford to get lazy in terms of doing our diligence to maintain our distance, wash our hands, wear our masks, and stay in the house as
0: much as we can. You know, at the end of our show each week, King has been, you know, uh, reading the sermon to everybody about the things that you need to do, and he has been doing them. But still, you know, the COVID got him, right? So that's kind of a a cautionary tale for all of us that, you know, don't let your guard down, But, and King, we miss you. We love you. We're thinking about you. We're bugging you. We're both bugging you almost every day, if not (laughs) every day, multiple times. How you doing? You feeling better? You're going to be all right. (laughs) You're, You're our guy. We miss you. And we can't wait until you're back with us again, healthy and well, hopefully next week, Monica. Indeed. Well said, Bruce.
1: Amen. And I come in agreement with all of those good things. Get better King. All right. So, We are not going to stay stuck there, although COVID is also having a influence on the college basketball season, but we're gonna talk all of that and more with our terrific guest coming up. This week's guest is our, myself and King's, wow, I feel so special saying this, colleague at ESPN. Um, He's a two-time ACC coach of the year, Seth Greenberg, who's been now doing TV analysis for how many years now, coach?
2: Starting my ninth year. I've been undefeated for nine years, Monica.
1: Congratulations. That's a great record. (laughs) Great record. All right. So normally we would be about seven weeks into the NBA season right now, but obviously not the case in such an odd year. So the college hoops games are on the forefront. How much do you think in general, all these things have affected the interest in college basketball this year?
2: You know, I think it's such a unique year. I think there are so many things going on in the world. Uh, obviously, the craziness with the election, what's going on in our society, uh, what went on with the NBA and how long that season went uh, and how, quite honestly, incredibly amazing accomplishment getting through the bubble to crown a champion. That I'm not sure we, even though we were on our own stage, I'm not sure it is what it may would have been in a different time, and now the NBA's starting up, they're they're, they're gonna be playing exhibition games another week. I mean, they're opening up training camps, free agency was later, the draft was later. So all those things kind of, I think, pulled a little bit away from the start of the season, and then the uncertainty of the season. I mean, you think about, you know, are we playing, aren't we playing? Is there gonna be a bubble? Is it gonna be an isolation? You know, we're playing in Orlando, we're gonna bring all these events to Orlando, whoop, we're not playing in Orlando. Then everyone thought they could have an event. So there's gonna be stoppages. so I'm not sure it's had the start. We've had great games. We've had terrific games. And we have teams emerging. And we have teams developing. But, and the big but is that, uh, how, how should we expect it to be normal? Because we're living in such an abnormal world right now.
0: Coach, I'm more of an NBA fan than a college hoop fan at this point, although I did uh, graduate from Syracuse uh, back when Jim Beheim was a very young coach. Monica hates when I mention Syracuse being the Hoya that she is. Um, but I've really kind of rediscovered college basketball this season because there is no NBA just yet and have really kind of enjoyed it. I mean, I was always sort of like, hey, you know, there's no real comparison between the two, but it's been really, really great. And as you said, some outstanding games so far.
2: Yeah, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, one thing in the NBA, everyone plays the same way,
0: pretty much. I mean,
2: you know, everything's conceptually, the people are going to play like Mike D'Antoni and play you know, dribble, drive, spread offense with flat ball screens. And, and look, the NBA, I say it all the time, the NBA players are the best players in the world. They take bad shots and make them, Or right? Some college guys take good shots and miss them. The plays that NBA guys make are incredible. They have PhDs in basketball. I think the greatest misnomer for people watching the NBA is they, well, they just roll it out, you know. No, those guys are brilliant. When I say brilliant, I mean they cite things that happen in a game that very few people can see. Uh, their ability to process from game to game, changes in game plans, changes in coverages, changes in personnel, playing back to backs. Uh, it, it, it's a brilliant, they're brilliant. But in our game, and that's why I don't think we should go to 24 second clock, because our game is different. So uh, by having at least the 30 second clock, you have a little bit of difference in terms of style of play. Mm-hmm. You know, like I always go to my Virginia Tech years. If we played a 24-second clock, we don't beat Duke. We don't beat Carolina. We don't beat Maryland when they were really good. But what we could do is we could be physical. We could be tough. We could make them guard both sides, and then we could drive them and get to the line and, and find ways to win. Uh, but we've had great games, and we've had, we've had great stories in college basketball. Uh, I mean, look, Baylor's a great story in college basketball, from where they were to when Scott was there to where they are now. Uh, is incredible. And they're not doing it with five-star recruits. They're doing it with the Mark Vitals of the world who just, you know, plays as hard as anyone humanly possible. They're doing it with Macy O'Teague, who transferred from the Big South. They're doing it from, you know, with you know Jared Butler, who's just developed into this physical, tough winning player. So we've got great stories. You know, you've got the Baylor story, you got the Gonzaga story, you know, you've got Duke and Kentucky down because those young players, especially in a pandemic, don't really understand how to compete? They're talented, but there's be talented and being a winning player. Uh, you got Villanova, who has you know the culture-driven program. So I, I think it's a fascinating kind of study this year. I'm watching college basketball. Uh, there's so many different storylines, and and there are teams that can play. And then you don't even know when the game's going to be played. Like we we're supposed to have Michigan State, Virginia, and and that game gets canceled. But we still have Florida State and Indiana, and Florida State's the best team in the ACC anyway. So Uh, You know, it's just, to me, it's going to be an unusual year, but it's going to be an exciting year.
1: You mentioned, you joked about being undefeated for nine years, but I'm sure to a degree, you also are very thankful that you are not a decision maker in this uncertain year. Um, Following the Dukes loss to Illinois, we heard Coach K very candidly kind of question the leadership, the paces, what we're doing with the numbers of COVID cases rising around the country. Coach, just what's your take? What, what do you even take away from that? Obviously, Coach K is a respective voice in college basketball.
2: Yeah, I, I, I've said it all along. I believe in three Ps in this whole thing. All right, first thing, we have to have patience because the virus controls us, we don't control the virus. And we've got to need be patient and really kind of the prism we look through the virus and what's going on in the world. Uh, we can't overreact to anything. Uh, and we've got to understand, take a step back sometimes. The second thing is we've got to have multiple plans. What I mean by multiple plans is, all right, we push back the start of the season. All right, we've, we've had some games in bubble environments. They've worked. It's been successful. Now we're trying to kind of take the next step. Well, if it doesn't work, then maybe we need to go to pods. Pods would be like, say, take a half of the Big East, send them to one site. Everyone's going to play each other twice. Send the other half to another site. Basically, too many bubbles. Do that with the number of leagues that can afford it, all right, and – Buy yourself some time or maybe we're going to go to a complete bubble like the Big East has talked about going maybe going to a complete bubble. So I think the big thing we've got to do is Have the multiple plans. Don't just lock ourselves into one thing. It's not black and white. It's not right and wrong. If you agree with Coach K, that's great. If you de- disagree with Coach K, that's also great. We can gr- agree to disagree. We all have the best interest in the players. Me personally, I don't think we should shut down, and I'll tell you there's a couple of reasons. Number one, if you shut down now, or where do the kids go? They go home. They're safer on campuses than, 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 than if they go home. That's just plain and simple. They stay on campuses, all right. They have the access to the best, to the best medical care humanly possible. They go home and they get sick, they're waiting in a, an emergency room,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? They're not just walking in and seeing the team doctor and getting into the hospital. They're not getting the therapies they need at the front of the line they might have to wait to the back of the line two you're not controlling your environment so you're telling me you're going to take an 18 19 or and 20 year old send them home and you think they're going to quarantine themselves because if they don't quarantine themselves right they're putting themselves at greater risk if they stay on campus let's face it students are going to be off campus till middle february you're in in essence creating an isolation environment and a safer environment for your team now it's not it's not fun But if you love the game and, like, you know, you were a player, you understand, I mean, like someone said, hey, by the way, you're not playing at all this season. That's hard. And then even if you bring them back in January, how do you plug them back in, get them back in shape, and get them ready to compete? These kids want to play. I mean, if you saw the Illinois kids after that game. well, we got to say, you know what, hey, we're quarantining, and that's the way it is. And now we're going to say, you come out of quarantine, you got to have a minimum for five practices. And then we're going to restart. We got time. We got time, if we, have a, if we get 20 games and we can get to the NCAA tournament, or you know, they're saying 13, but I'm just saying, we have time. So if we gotta shut down, we shut down. And then what, you know, you, you get creative. That goes back to, you know, multiple plans. You get creative in your scheduling, you have agility. We always keep, talk to our players about having agility, getting to the next play, all right, and understanding that it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond to what happens to you. So it's not the pandemic, And the virus, it's how we respond to the virus. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a good lesson about life. It's, it's, you know, I mean, I I feel for my coaching friends, I feel for the players. Uh, You know, people talk about like we're gonna be better off at the end of this. No, I'll tell you what, we are gonna be better off. We're gonna be more appreciative of the things we've in our lifetime we've taken for granted going to the movies, going out to dinner, spending time with our friends, having our families over for Thanksgiving you know, like the whole idea of sending the kids home, like my mom didn't come for Thanksgiving, right? Mm-hmm. First time ever, like whether even when I was coaching, we were playing on the road, I'd fly her in, she'd, go, she'd spend Thanksgiving with my team. She's not coming here for the holidays because you know what, I don't want to put her at risk. My wife is, uh, has a respiratory disease, I can't put her at risk, all right? So you know, we're making sacrifices. So like if players don't go home for Christmas, but two and a half days, they get to go home usually. It's short. <laughs> All right. It's short. It, you know, it's sad. It's sad. But it's safer.
0: You know, the, um, the, that, that was some really excellent perspective on, you know, some of the pros and cons about why continuing uh, and, and having the players in essentially a, an isolated situation really is a, a positive for their health. And, and safety. So, okay, let's, let's kind of take it on to the court a little bit if we can here. Uh, COVID caused Gonzaga to cancel a game. COVID caused Villanova to cancel a game. COVID caused Baylor, King McClure, our dear colleagues, Alma Mater to, uh, to cancel a game. Do you see Gonzaga and Baylor as a potentially NCAA championship matchup? Very
2: easily. Very. See, veteran teams, mature teams, teams with toughness, teams with good cultures. Uh, Teams that have uh, shared experiences are at huge advantage. They have huge advantages. Uh, These young teams aren't physically, mentally, emotionally ready. That's just the way it is. And you can see they can't maintain an intensity. Look, anyone can do something once. The very best do it every single time. And veteran teams have the ability to do it every single time. These young kids just aren't ready. Now, Are they going to get drafted high? Probably get drafted high because the, the NBA is a futures market. But well, are they ready to be winning players in, the, in college basketball against veteran teams? No. And Gonzaga, you know, look, they score it easy. They play in transition. Uh, you know, John Suggs is is ridiculous. Uh, he's the best point guard in the country, if it's not Jared Butler, maybe. And Butler, th- those three guards for, for Baylor are terrific. But he's he's got a maturity. He reminds me of Jason Kidd a little bit in terms of his feel for the game, his size, his vision, his strength. Uh, you know, Drew Timmy, explosive quick around the basket as a big Kispert is a guy that scored all three levels from the wing. yai uh, can defend rebound his position, which is so important. And they got versatility in their lineup. You know, Baylor, they can defend you and they switch from going to one, one, three to the man, to man. Those guards are dynamic and tough. I mean, tough. They're tough defensively They're tough offensively. They have shot makers. Uh, they compete. Vital has been, uh, Terrific. And, and the kid that they're playing in the post, I was worried about what happens when Gillespie left and JTT, the big kid they have now is you watch him and he gets better right in front of you. I mean, you're know, like, you're watching them. And you know, from the first five minutes of the game to the last 10 minutes of the game, you say, Hmm. And every time you go, Hmm, he does something else that kind of says, Hmm. Like, so, th- you know, they, they've got, they've got a really good, team. So that could very easily. I think Michigan State's going to be in that conversation. I think Villanova could be in that conversation. I think Creighton could be in that conversation. They're dynamic offensively. I think that Kansas could be in that conversation because I love the way they defend. And, you know, David McCormick now is a leading role. It's new for him, but they're starting to play through him a little bit. So teams are starting to emerge.
1: Mm, I love that rundown. So a team that is, for me, I was like, who? What? Who's ranked? Brad Underwood and the Illini, um, this group has just been so impressive. It's really been fun to watch kind of Underwood. I remember the NCAA tournament with Stephen F. Austin, right?
2: Yeah, they, he, he won a game in the tournament. Yeah, yep, he, I remember that. that.: a coach, terrific. Brad Underwood, Illinois should be in that conversation there. I don't know if they're top tier, you know, the win, like before the game yesterday, I said, look, Illinois, who I think they are, they go to Duke and win. No aspect, no nothing. I don't care if there's cutouts in the stands, they're winning the Duke. Uh, I would assume is a tough physical guard that can defend, and he's a winning player. He's got a he's got a winning DNA. Uh, he he helps his team win. Kofi uh, Coburn is a front court. Uh, he's got to finish better, but he can rebound. He's strong. He's tough. Uh, he can get get to the glass. Adam Miller, this freshman, every time he shoots it, you think it's going in. Andre Cabello, another freshman, gets in the lane and makes plays. They got Benishvili, who's just. Yesterday, he was really, really good. They've got depth. They've got experience. Trent Frazier's very good. Uh, Williams is very good. They keep you in front. They're physical. DeSumo is such a good closer. He's been so good at the end of games. He's just got that, he's got that it factor at the end of the games. He wants the ball, and he's not afraid to score, but he's not afraid to also make a scoring play. Uh, they are very good. They're deep, talented, very well coached. Uh, Brad's done a great job.
0: You mentioned Creighton and Kansas as some of the teams that you figured were, you know, going to be in the mix. And they just played an absolute thriller on Tuesday. And watching uh, Marcus Zagorowski go to the line to shoot three free throws down three with 1.1 seconds left. And I'm watching his poor mom on the sidelines just like dying a thousand deaths. That's something that this NBA fan doesn't get watching the NBA. But that to me was such a classic college basketball family moment.
2: Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, that's especially when, you know, there's no one really in the arena. So, I mean, it's easy to just zero in on her and the, the raw emotion. I mean, like, you know, I'm a parent. I've got three daughters that play college athletics. And, uh, you know, you kind of live and die with it. Uh, and, you know, you just want to see them have success and enjoy it and, you know, have a good experience. But, you know, now all of a sudden you're standing in line at, at Fog Island, you know, Fieldhouse, with, you know, three free throws to tie the game up. And he's a terrific player, by the way, Zagorowski. A terrific player. Crafty with the ball, deep range, good vision. They play with incredible pace and spacing. Uh, they have floor gamers all over the floor crate, and they're a really a good team. Uh, but uh yeah, that was uh that was good theater. As you as you TV guys would say, that's good TV. <laughs>
1: It was very dramatic. I was, I he missed it. I was like, oh, he missed the third one. Oh no! I really thought all three were going down for sure. Um, all right, coach. So we've talked teams. Uh, Luca Garza, I think, is the, the name that everybody is is saying when it comes to college athletic or co- men's college basketball, at least. But like, give me your top three. Like, who do you, who are the guys that you, for you, are must see TV in the college ranks right now?
2: Yeah, like I call him Garzilla. Uh, <laughs> and that's the kind of the way he plays like you know, yesterday he had 16 14 and four blocks and people were talking like he didn't play well now, look he doesn't have jump he's not you know aesthetically pleasing but he is absolutely without a doubt relentless I mean it's just the the, the, the joy and the intensity that he plays with is just it's unbelievable. I think Kate Cunningham's going to be in that conversation for, you know, guys that, you know, I'll give you a couple more than three, but Kate Cunningham, the kid from Oklahoma State, that would have been probably some people think it's gonna be the first pick in the draft. I'm not sure he's gonna be the first pick, though. I think that could be RJ Barrett to, you know, maybe to Zion Williams. The guys are gonna emerge, but he's really good. He's a six, six point guard that plays at his own pace. He never gets sped up. He gets the ball where it needs to go, shoots it well enough, very inclusive. Uh, really good players. Alan Suggs, who I mentioned before from Gonzaga, is uh, man. He's good. He is just big guard, strong vision. I mean, he came. He hurt his ankle. He came back in. He made a pass off the high ball screen where he took it right off the dribble, right off the bounce. That was you know that's what you'd see you know basically uh, you know on Christmas Day in the NBA. Right. I mean, he's just he's really really good. Corey Kispert is is another player on that team that you know is a is a a competitive winning uh winning player uh the kid remy martin out at uh arizona state is is really good uh you know he's explosive he's quick they play really really fast arizona state he's become more of a facilitator and a scorer before he was kind of score first then maybe you know i'll get you guys involved now he's doing both which is which is uh i think really really makes them a more dangerous team uh, because now they've got more, they've got more scores. They don't have a front court, so they have more floor gamers. But I think that uh, he's a, you know, he's a really good player. Scotty Barnes, a freshman from Florida state is phenomenal. We're going to see him against uh, Indiana. Uh, He's a a six foot nine inch point guard,
0: Mm.
2: a little Scotty Pippen in him, a little magic Johnson in him. I mean, he's really good. Doesn't shoot it great yet, but man, is he good! I mean, he and he is really good. And play they're playing an the team with Trace Jackson Davis, who I absolutely love. Who I think is going to end up an All-American. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis is uh he's a uh, six foot nine inch, six foot ten inch uh, guy that can play elbows, play off the baseline, can play in a block, holds a seal, uh, runs the floor, fiercely competitive. Uh, He's really uh, an exciting player to watch. Uh, the best defender in the country is probably Marcus Garrett, a kid from Kansas, who's a big guard who can really put pressure on the ball. He's got great hands. He gets, he's gets his hands on on so many basketballs. Jared Butler will be in the conversation for player of the year. So I think there are, there are good players. I mean, a lot of very good young players that are going to get better. Like everyone says, this is a great freshman class. And, like, my thing is we overrate these guys To begin with, they're great freshmen unless you have to coach them and try to win this year.
1: Ah, fair enough.
2: (laughs) I mean, like, you know, we we talk about the great freshmen, but so, you know, we talk about, you know, how good Jalen Johnson is at Duke. He's really good. I'm not sure you win with him right now. I think B.J. Boston's really good. Terrence Clark is really good. I'm not sure you win with him right now, but, I mean, they're going to be really good players just the way, you know, it's the way it is.
0: So earlier in the conversation, you mentioned Florida State as being, uh, in your opinion, the top team in the ACC. You won ACC Coach of the Year in 2008. The man who won it the following year was Leonard Hamilton in 2009. He's just goes on and on and on and doesn't seem to age very much. He's it now in his... Off.
2: It really pisses me off. The dude looks like he's like 50 years old. I mean, it's, it's Ham is ridiculous. I mean, like Ham... He looks younger now than he did when he was an assistant in Kentucky.
0: He's been, he's been a head coach now since I think 1985 or 1986. Is this guy going to coach till he's 90?
2: He's, uh, he, he's the best. I, I talked to him today. He's the best. He's he's a, he's a great coach. He's a great mentor of young people. Uh, they've got an incredible culture. Uh, he's, he he's as genuine as they get he's has an incredible coaching staff an incredible coaching staff there and stan jones has been with him uh forever charlton young who was head coach at georgia southern was at georgia tech was at auburn terrific terrific uh coach um and they you know he just creates a great culture like you know they've got four guys drafted in the last two years they're going to have more guys drafted this year uh They've had like seven in the last four, I think. Um, they lose guys, but they, they returned six guys to play double-figure minutes last year. Six. MJ Walker came as McDonald's All-American. He's still there. He's getting better. Uh, he's going to be a first-round draft trust potentially. as a big guard. Uh, they, they, they find creative ways to get these big guys all over the country. I mean, he gets them from a lot of international big guys and develops them and gives them confidence and plays with them. Like Cotton Jelly, the big kid that he had a couple of years ago, I, I wouldn't have had the patience to play because there are some days that that dude played where, like, seriously, everyone was going this way and my man was going that way, and Ham would say, "All right, here we go, let's go," and he would just, and then all of a sudden, the end of the game, he'd catch it, whom he'd lay it in, or he'd block a shot, or he'd do something, and that just takes a lot of patience for a coach and belief. I mean, they play eleven guys, they, you know, they 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 are big believers in that strength in numbers. And their first game, eleven guys played double figures. I couldn't do that. I'm just telling you, I had, I I started my five. I had a point uh, sub, I had a wing sub, I had a front court sub. And I said, you know what? When you other guys, when you get to the eight members, that's fine. But you know what? I'm going to get eight guys. I'm going to get five guys playing well together. I'm going to get six guys, seven guys, eight guys, and we're going to develop a chemistry. Uh, And Ham just, he believes in him and he sells everyone to believe in it. I mean, Common he, he he didn't start. The dude didn't start. He was a first-round draft choice. Come on now. I mean, where does that happen?
1: Yeah, that's, that's great.
2: American. I mean, like guys think they come in, they start. Uh, like, I won't mention a kid's name. John Perry had a kid yesterday, after they uh, lost to Georgia Tech in an absolutely abysmal game, and one of their freshmen said, "Well, you know, it's really hard because we're only here seven months." No, you're not. That the kid that was talking, he's, he's, he's going to be there 17 months. He's going to be there 27 months. I mean, these guys think it's – and, Monica, you, I think you, you, you can understand this. The NBA is an exclusive club.
1: Very.
2: It's not a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. It's only for the very best of what you do because it's a league of role players.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
2: these young kids don't understand it. They think it's a rite of passage. They think, well, you know, I'm going to go and in one year later, I'm going to be in a league. It doesn't work that way. Hmm. Like dude, it just doesn't work that way. Mm-mm. Those guys there, it's a different world. And that's, that, that's a worry I have with this new NBA Academy because you're going to see kids leaving high school early, stopping go going classes their senior high school, thinking they're going to go to the Academy. And then three years later, all right, They're not going to be good enough to be NBA players. They're not going to be mature enough to go overseas. And my question is where do they go back to? What happens to that kid? Like, so if you go to school for one year and you're one and done, when you're done playing, you have somewhere to go. You're part of something.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: When you leave and go right to the academy, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: what are you part of?
1: The academy class.
2: Yeah, I mean, and like, so here's the thing, and this is this is my my thing, I, I do these Zoom calls with my former players. We had like 70 guys on different times during the course of the pandemic and with everything that was going on in society. And I've got like three former players, one guy from Boys and Girls High School, Eric Brown was a police officer in Miami. I got another guy who's a police officer in Detroit. I've got doctors. I've got guys teaching coaches, guys playing still. And... You know, the one thing, so we, we have these conversations. We always want to try to get a conclusion of the conversation. Like we call them solution-based conversations. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'll close with this because I, gotta, I I got to run and get to the studio. But we say, how can we change the way the world is? What's the best way to change? And finally, one of the first guys that I ever recruited, Darren Burnett, from Columbus High School in New York City, played for me at Columbia. And he's, he's this gruff. He's great. I mean, he's great. I mean, he's, you know, he's 50 years old now and everyone's saying what they're saying. And he's, you know, he's like this stately guy, big, you know, gray beard. And, uh, and D goes, coach, he's got this really deep voice. Shit's easy. Get a freaking education and use it. Don't get a degree, get an education. Mm. And we undervalue education.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: undervalue education. You want to change your station in life. And, and look, all the years I coached, my biggest arguments from white players, all the years I coached was not waiting on a screen, was not not playing hard enough, was not shot selection was. Sometimes I had guys where their education was more important to me than it was to them.
1: Mm.
2: And it would piss me off. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, 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 and it, you know, so we want to, we really want to make a difference across the board, not just in college athletics, across the board, but the, the way to make a difference is to make sure that we have education across the board, across communities. That's where change begins.
1: And drop the mic. Perfect. That- Thank that, that. I love that. That's so, man, coach, that was so well said. Shout out to your former player. I mean, shout out to you guys for staying that connected as an organization. Um, thanks so much for hanging out with us and making sure. Thanks. Appreciate
2: it. right. We'll do it again.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Tell, thanks tell again, coach. Stay well. I, stay well, good. Well, All
0: right. You got it. All right. Take care, coach. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: That was dope. Thanks a ton to our terrific guests. Seth Greenberg, coach as I call him, uh, of ESPN for being so generous with his time and his insight. Thanks to our producer and my co-host today, Bruce Bernstein, always does a terrific job. Our superstar editor, Tom Phillip. Please be sure to check out all of our Pure Hoops media shows. This week, the Mike Wise Show has Stefan Bondi of the New York Daily News. I got to listen to this one for sure. Um, he's got smart takes on the Knicks and the Nets. We've got to listen to those. Full court with Fisher and Kay have Marcus Howard, formerly of Marquette, and now a rookie with the Denver Nuggets. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto and Aaron have Fred Katz of The Athletic talking about the Washington Wizards and their addition of Russell Westbrook, another one must listen. BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast on Friday, and I am back, hopefully with King, next Thursday with another edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks.
2: All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing.
0: Friends, COVID-19 is no joke. As we know, King is fighting it off right now, hopefully successfully. We expect that to be the case, but please, follow the advice he's been giving us pretty much every week. Do all you can to protect yourself and others, wear the mask, don't complain about it, just do it. Wash your hands, keep your distance from others when you're in public, be considerate of those around you. It could save your life, could save their lives. Keep the nurses, doctors, and hospital personnel in your prayers. They are superheroes and they need your support, all of our support. Keep working, please, to make our society more inclusive. And now it's time for the alley-oop. Until next week. Enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King
1: McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.